Hello and welcome to the reading room. This is Kate or Mrs. Lemonade on Twitter and today I will be reading Ariel by me. Disclaimer, this fic is rated for teen and up audiences. Please see the archive of our own link in the description for additional tags. Katsuki is always lifting Yachako up. It's not something he really thinks about. Most of the time, it just makes sense. Like when they're doing joint training for their combo moves. They patrol at the same agency for their work study, after all. It would be stupid to waste the opportunity to be the best team they could be. She doesn't ride his coattails. She holds her own. Plus, their quirks were really fucking compatible, as it turned out. And if that meant extra hours at ground beta honing their attacks, so be it. He'd haul her ass up onto his back and rock it off as many times as they needed to get the timing right. Couldn't let some second-rate villain get the best of them on the job just because they weren't in sync. Naturally, their familiarity with each other grew. When you're around someone almost 24-7, that shit happens. So when she's complaining about being too dumb to get their English homework while they're working together on it in the common room, he doesn't hesitate to set her straight. You're fucking top of the class in math, even though ectoplasm doesn't hold your hand like present Mike does, so cut that whining shit out. He whacks her on the forehead with his pencil. That's only because numbers make sense, she protests, rubbing her hands over her forehead. They follow a pattern. Plus, you know I've been studying physics since middle school because of my quirk. I don't give a damn why. I just know that you're ahead of me and it's annoying. You studied that shit, now study this conjugation shit. Ida says my accent makes my pronunciation sloppy. She pouts, her lower lip jutting out. He wants to grab it between his fingers and yank. Yeah, well, he's got to stick so far up his ass that you can hear it in his voice whether he's speaking Japanese or English. She lets out a shocked gasp, her eyes going wide, and she slaps a hand over her mouth, but she can't help the snorting giggle that escapes her. He smirks to himself, the sound of her laugh making his ears warm. All right, round face, come on, find the mistake in the syntax, he grunts, pointing back to the worksheet in front of them to brush off the uncomfortable feeling. He experiences this feeling again when they're at the beauty pageant their second year, and her short ass is complaining she can't see to cheer on Ponytail. He just stoops without a word, grabs her calf to swing her leg over her shoulder, and hoists her up. She gives a yelp and instinctively threads her fingers through his hair to stop from flailing backwards. He hisses in response to the feeling and her clear overreaction. She locks her sneaker-clad feet behind his back to free her hands, which she wastes no time in bringing to cup around her mouth and yell, You got this, Yamamo! His hands flutter awkwardly around until they land to rest on her knees. The flush on his face is obviously from the heat of the day. They end up in this position yet again over the summer, except this time there is less fabric separating them. Come on, Bakugoro, you gonna take on the reigning champs? calls Pikachu from the water, flexing his arms in a feeble show of victory atop Tape Face's shoulders. Pinky bursts over the surface of the tempered ocean waves, sputtering about her and Shitty Hair's loss. The redhead pulls her to him, wrapping her legs around his waist. He kisses her on the forehead while she pouts, then promptly dives backwards, with her still locked in his arms. When they break the surface again, she pushes against his chest while he laughs maniacally. Katsuki's eyes narrow when he looks away from the sickly sweet scene, his mouth turning down into a mild grimace. Fuck off, he spits out from his place in the tide pool. 
He had been enjoying the soothing effect that the salt water had on his callous palms in peace. What is water out of your element? says Tapeface, emphasizing his taunt with a splash toward the now simmering blonde. Kotsky bristles. Ocean, snow, rain, it doesn't fucking matter. I'll hand your ass to you any time, anywhere. He stands, then points with a menacing aura at the pair from his own self-proclaimed Baku squad. We're coming for you. With that, he stalks off to find his partner. We? The pair asks each other simultaneously, exchanging puzzled looks. Oi, cheeks! Kotsky calls as he approaches Achako, who is laying on a towel with an unnecessarily big fucking hat over her face. He crouches down to grab the brim and huffs. Come on, I need you. She stares back at him, blinking in confusion. Excuse me? She squeaks. We've got a war to win, he tells her ominously, and abruptly hoists her around the waist and heaves her stomach over his shoulder like she's a sack of potatoes. What the hell? Baku, go put me down! She wriggles and bangs her fists on his back, even though he knows she could very easily slap all five fingers on him and be free. He sets her down at the shoreline and gestures to Pikachu and Tapeface, as if to say that he had no choice but to interrupt her sunbathing nap in order to teach these idiots a lesson. She crosses her arms over her chest and purses her lips, appraising the situation with a curt nod. All right, let's do this, she concedes, pulling the wrap she wore over her head. Kotsky audibly gulps and turns away, the image burned into his mind. She is wearing a one-piece, but it's held together on the sides by little golden rings. It's somehow worse than if she was in a bikini, like he's seeing something she, he shouldn't. Hell, he knows her figure like the back of his hand. Her hero costume leaves nothing to the imagination, and he's been manhandling her since they first discovered how powerful their combo moves could be. But seeing all that bare skin of hers is making his prickle. Or maybe he's just getting a sunburn. It's probably that. Ready? She asks, placing her hands on his shoulders and looking up at him expectantly. Her finger pads on his naked back send a shiver through him. He holds his own hands out, fingers interlocked in a cradle, and she places her bare foot in it like it's the most natural thing in the world. He boosts her upwards, and she immediately turns in the air, landing weightless on his skyward palms with a practiced acrobatic grace. They are working from muscle memory at this point. He then lowers her to perch on his shoulders, ready to face the idiot squad. Show offs, muttered idiot number one. Hey, if being a hero doesn't work out, you two could always join the circus, jeers idiot number two. Kill him, cheeks! He screams up at her, waiting toward their enemy, bubbles bursting as his quirk detonates underwater. This is a sentiment he conveys to her in the spring of their third year, too. The fucking nerd had asked cheeks whether she was going to compete in the beauty pageant this year since it was their last cultural festival before they graduated from UA. She'd reacted predictably, waving her hands like a moron and blushing. No, of course not, she protests. Why the hell not? Kotsky butts in, glancing up from his meal prep in the common room kitchen. She seemed to shrink into herself. I could never win, she confesses. You never know, the fucking nerd chirps. You could knock him dead, cheeks, he says matter-of-factly. It is good exposure, the nerd mutters, and of course the more experience in front of the limelight, the better. A good persona is half the battle as far as popularity ratings, and as sexist as it may be, for female heroes, appearance is a big contributing factor. A win is a win, Kotsky cuts in. You could murder the competition, Angel Face. She stares at him as if not believing her ears. Kotsky stares back, and Deku is going back and forth between their faces like it's a fucking ping-pong match. 
Finally, the nerd cuts the tension by asking, What would you do for your talent, Araraka? She shakes herself out of her daze and turns to him. Ah, I don't know, Deku. What do you think I should do? Katsuki cuts him off again. You're a damn gymnast, for fuck's sake. Pull some of those fancy-ass moves I told you were no good for combat. The brunette hums thoughtfully, then tucks a lock of her hair behind her ear. Thanks for the idea, Bakugo. I never thought I would stand a chance. You really raised my spirits. The smile that punctuates this statement is blinding, so he looks away. Tch, is all he says, because what else can he say to that? Wow is the only word that comes to mind when he's actually standing in front of the stage amidst the awestruck crowd as she dazzles them. Achako stands alone in her workout shorts, sports bra, and fishnets, which again is somehow worse than if she simply had bare legs, for reasons he can't quite put his finger on. Soft music filters through the speakers as she bows to the audience. He distantly recognizes Kyoka's crystal-clear, echoing voice. You know everyone wants to sparkle. He watches the brunette step forward on the balls of her feet, each move measured and highlighting the defined muscle in her thighs. She grabs the edge of each purple silk pillar hanging from the rafters and pulls them forward to flap gracefully like wings. Like the stars in the night sky. She expertly gathers the fabric and crafts the now rope-like fabric high above her head, wrapping them around her forearms. Achako jumps and pulls herself up, arms coming straight down in front of her body. A few in the crowd around him give soft gasps at her show of strength. In this wondrous place, filled with all the dreams. She extends both her legs to either side of her in a perfect split, holding the position for only a moment before rolling her hips to create the momentum necessary to launch them over her head and around the silk columns. I've been wishing for, waiting for the chance. She curls her knees and ankles so that the silk wraps around her in multiple places and then splays her arms gracefully now that her weight is braced by the secured fabric. Chaco flashes a smile, her hair fanned out away from her face as she is suspended upside down, as if she does this every day. Hell, maybe she does. The fact that there are mysteries about her he's yet to uncover gives him an eerie feeling of anticipation. He pushes a few extras out of the way to get closer. To climb higher than the midnight cloud. She lurches up to grasp the silk by her left leg and hoists herself upright brings her taut thighs together and swings them outward, creating a centrifugal force that sends the fabric spinning off of her. She just twirls for a moment, hanging by only her fisted palms in the silk, her head tilted back, free of everything. Angelic. There I can see the future of you and me. Then she throws out her legs, clenching the fabric between her stacked feet, and begins to climb. He's craning his head back so far to look up at her as she ascends that his whole body is leaning at this point. She threads one arm through the middle of the two silk ropes. She twirls her ankle so that one column wraps around it, and through sheer strength, 
She straightens her body until she is laying horizontally in the air. She is mesmerized by the figure she strikes there in midair, all the more impressive because she is practically floating without her quirk. Floating in space, none between us. Pachaka reaches below her to grab the other column and wraps it around her waist once, twice, three times. Still not finished, she turns her free leg over the bound one, causing her to rotate until the silk wraps around her torso again. She does this twice more, all the while the crowd is ooing and eyeing appreciatively, as if surprised by her strength, grace, and dexterity. He's not, of course, but he is awed by her display of it. Blazing light, brighter than anything. She kicks out her legs in a dancer-like set of motions until they're free of the fabric again, biceps flexed as she grips the silk around her waist above and below her. Then suddenly, she lets go and the silk is unraveling. The crowd gives a collective gasp this time. Achako hurtles toward the stage floor, rotating seamlessly until she comes to an abrupt stop with just a foot of silk to spare. The crowd claps in relief and wonder. The world has ever seen before. Her bare feet come down to the ground, and for a second her back is arched like a crescent moon. Then she springs back up as if she'd done nothing more strenuous than a back handspring. The crowd erupts into cheers as she takes a lithe bow. The cheering sounds again as Momo is awarded the crown for the second year in a row. Her display of producing a ton of colored ribbon with her cork and dancing while waving them around like mad had wowed the masses yet again. Hachako stands next to the dark-haired winner, waving demurely as Midnight pins a runner-up winner on her uniform. Katsuki can see her mouth form the words to thank their teachers, and she gives a bow. When she straightens, her eyes are flitting around looking for a face in the crowd. Their gazes lock, and he can see an unspoken question in her eyes. In answer, Kotsky lifts his arm straight out to shoulder level, hand closed in a fist except his thumb, which is jetted out to the side. Uraraka's hazel eyes widen and her mouth pops open, awaiting his verdict. Slowly, he rotates his fist so that his thumb is pointed upward. Her lips stretch into that blinding ray of fucking sunshine smile in response, and she throws her own fist into the air in a show of victory. Kotsky is always lifting Achako up but only because she deserves it. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this reading, please use the AO3 link in the description to give the author a well-deserved kudos and comment. Also, don't hesitate to message us on Twitter with your request to be read. 